Welcome to Whiskey in the Arts podcast, a collaborative exploration of creation and perception, with your hosts, Kurt Protzman and Dan Kroll. mentioned a musical family um are you are you a musician too or are you or or how does that work i am i well, nice. couldn't not be i <laughs> it was not <laughs> like i said musical family couldn't not be uh my whole family is is musical so nice me and my sister my younger sister and my parents all all play music my dad is really the prolific one um as far as recording and putting his his music out in the world. But growing Great. up, I was like, when asked in school what my dad did, I said a rock star, even though that was <laughs> not his day job. <laughs> um, uh, he did. As a father of a kid in school, like, Anybody would take that description. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> it was you awesome. told him what? Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He says it was like a shining moment. Most, I mean, yes. he does he does M&A, so totally ah. different um, corporate <laughs> mergers. And That's such a non-rock, generally, <laughs> rock, you don't see a lot of that, I'll just no, say, he, M&A and rock stardom. <laughs> he, he really brings it all together, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I, so I always admired his publicity with it and then my mom is a classically trained pianist nice. uh, and she like does not does not play often does not play for people but we grew up with a beautiful baby grand in the house and if she sat down to play like my sister and I would hide on the stairs close so we could listen and Very not have cool. her not know that we were listening and right. so as we grew up there was a lot of debate about well are the girls going to learn piano or guitar so we both learned both uh, and then uh, my sister kind of did the more private thing. I really took a run at it in high school. I was playing out like every weekend. I, I loved Great. it and kind of lost that a little over college. But uh, still, I have a guitar next to me. They're they're always around. So very nice. Now, uh, guitar and vocals. Are you a uh, songwriter or uh, what direction are you, did you uh, are you headed with that? Yeah, definitely more of the lyricist side. Like I I love writing and creating. Um, I'm I'm a I can sing. It's it's not what I would highlight as my strength. I think for me, writing kind of poetry set to music has always been my, my focus with it. And it kind of has always been a way, especially growing up, to digest what I was experiencing and distill it, no pun intended, wow. into something that wow. I could have. <laughs> wow. Bravo. Well done. <laughs> and I, okay, so you say, you know, you sing however. I, I'm sure in no way, it, you know would inconvenience you to just sing a little bit for us right now. <laughs> oh, my God. I knew. I should have said, I, no, I don't. I completely I toned wasn't. up. I can't sing. <laughs> you guitar. Know. What is a guitar? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, Kurt, but uh, that's, uh, you know, at you some can, point. You can. If, you're, if you feel comfortable with it, we would love that. It would be a first. It would be a first on the show. Uh, and, you know, we, uh, this is not us congratulating ourselves because it, it should have happened long before this, but you are the first female that we've had on the show. So. I was thinking this too. Thank Am you. I the youngest? I would think, I think, I think the that youngest. you are. Yeah, you, you, that wasn't you, you got much of a yeah. con- That wasn't much of a contest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a really high bar. It's, it's sort of the, it's sort of the, uh, um, the limbo of, uh, uh, of clearing that bar. 
Um, and we've discovered, Kurt and I, over the course of this thing, that we we have no idea what demographic that we're aiming for, except that we occupy the uh, salt and pepper middle aged man category. We've got that pretty well nailed up with some vision issues. Uh, so thank you for occupying a far different demographic than that. Well, Gives us a little bit of depth. You're We've welcome. been reaching out, and I guess it's paid back, you know. <laughs> I, I've been laughing re-listening to some of your episodes because there have been a few times where you really get into, you know, a role with some of your guests, and you will say, oh, this is why we only talk to men our age. And I'm thinking, you know what? Let's shake this up. <laughs> yes. Thank oh, yeah. you. Let's do that something is, different. I've that been telling awesome. Dan we need to, but he hasn't wanted to. I'm a a cold and rigid individual now you know and as you mentioned um, you you know you do occupy a different demographic than we do and there were some things that you'd added to the collaborative playlist and thank you for your contributions there um, that although I'm I was aware of them not all of them because you put some things on there from some Boston musicians and some Mm -hmm. stuff and and that first track from and I'm, I'm reminding myself by looking at these notes um, a scary boar. I did not realize uh, that they were Scottish for one thing. Uh, that they're well known for for combining Scottish folk music and Americana, uh, which is a super cool sound. And that they're they're award winning. They it was uh, uh, t- twice in 2011, 2016, Scotland's traditional uh, traditional music live act of the year. Uh, so they they're not messing around. Uh, no. And so. I wouldn't have run into that just organically. So thank you for pointing my head in that direction for sure. No, you're welcome. I, I knew I would challenge the norms for all of you a little bit with my additions. I, I was a little self-indulgent, but there Great. is some things that I cannot, for me, whiskey and music cannot be separated. And one of them is Scary Boar. We, uh, my, my fiance and I, when we were dating, <laughs> uh, had the opportunity to spend some time in Scotland. He was studying abroad there, and I Very went cool. to visit. And his dad grew up in Scotland. All of his cousins are there. And one of his cousins had a car, and we spent a few days driving through the Highlands listening to Scary Boar and visiting distilleries. And wow. that will always be inseparable in my mind that scary vor means whiskey and whiskey means scary vor that that is a soundtrack to so many of the experiences i've had in scotland so much of the drink and the food and the culture i've enjoyed there mm-hmm. so i couldn't it was it was less of do i include scary vor and how do i pick one or two right. tracks <laughs> i right. can't stating the obvious that's a beautiful illustration of everything we try to talk about and i'm so yes. glad you are with us tonight because right. that's that's really it. You know, uh, we were just talking the other day about, I mean, it's great that you love the band, but you also could be put back in that place by something you don't even really particularly like. I have things that occupy my head that I hear that uh, take me to all kinds of places, and it isn't really up to me whether, uh, you know, whether I like it or not. It can put me there. It can put me in junior high. That's some mm-hmm. of the worst music, um, generally, <laughs> that can get me there. Uh, but, you know, I just saw Elvis Costello for free in the park yes. last weekend. It was awesome. It and was that true. put me that put me back to the, I'm the weird kid listening to the weird music in the Walkman when I should be listening to Foreigner. But, no, I love what, I love what you said, but I also wanted to say congratulations on your engagement. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Fantastic. Very new. <laughs> we yeah. Well, 
I understand no. I just recently found out I'm not very engaging. So uh, <laughs> congratulations on your engagement. <laughs> Which Thank explains you. the move. Um, <laughs> oh, friend. <laughs> um, so, have you set a date? Is that or, or is that are we early there? You, you, the engagements happened, but maybe Jesus, that's a lot of pressure. She just got I, engaged. I know. I'm free inquiring mind. Yeah, but if you know me, you know it's actually not too early. I've been thinking about this for a long time. <laughs> yeah, but listen to Dan. Like, are you considering a family? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Have you gotten some names laid out yet? Or? You, you know, if I if I was building a family, I could not enjoy whiskey for nine months, and that sounds like not something I'm interested at this right. point in time. So, right. no, we do have a date. We're getting married next Labor Day weekend. We did oh, not intend it to be this soon, and actually we're coming up on the one year out in two mm-hmm. days here. Um, but we thought for sure that, we could not get married in 2022 and we were prepared for 23 and then venues said we have availability so we dove right in and now i forget why <laughs> good good that's sure. great well current will uh, current and i will keep our calendars open for uh, the um, what i'm sure the invitation that i'm sure is coming uh <laughs> but yeah absolutely congratulations on that Thank that's you. that's fantastic is he um uh now uh, whiskey fan uh, is that uh, is that has that been established? Is there a connective tissue of whiskey fandom? There is, but it didn't start that way. So Cam is my fiance. We started dating in high school, so we did not enjoy <laughs> any alcohol <laughs> at that point in time. And it wasn't until college, <laughs> but it's true. And, and we actually kind of prided ourselves on being very straight edge and we didn't, we didn't need anything. Right. And Ooh, uh, I love that term. My boy was straight yeah. edge for a long time. <laughs> the straight edge kids like him. So I, uh, we, you know, we waited and in college he started to embrace his Scottish heritage and got into whiskey a little bit. Um, and then it, I had always known he would want to go to Scotland. Like from from the time we started dating, I knew that would be on the horizon. And so then he went, and I knew that if I went, I would have to enjoy some whiskey. And that I decided, okay, girls, we're gonna we're gonna buy a bottle. And I will never say what we bought because I don't have a raving review. <laughs> but me and my roommates, we went and we bought a bottle of something very cheap and very gross, and sipped it and forced ourselves <laughs> to like it. Nice. And I have since uh, discovered many things in the whiskey world that I love and uh, have far surpassed that. So. Yeah, but <laughs> at that point, you could have had the best bottle of whatever, and it still would have tasted awful. So, yeah, you know, I was ill prepared. Doesn't really matter. Yep. And I really shocked him because I hadn't told Cam that I had done that. And so when we were out to dinner next, he had ordered a whiskey and I just said casually like, oh, I'll try it. And he had seen my reaction in the past. He was not holding his breath. And I sipped it and gave him a few tasting notes. I said, oh, that's very nice. And he was absolutely shocked. I don't think I've ever surprised him that much since. Um, So from there, it kind of grew. And and we, we constantly... You know, we we have it in the house. We like to quiz each other. Like, he'll pour me a glass of something and not tell me what's in it. It's a way that we have continued to, you know, engage with one another is is talking about and think about whiskey, um, which is super cool. It's been a very fun development that I did not foresee when I was 17, so... No, I don't imagine. Um, and your current gig, uh, we should at some point we should really uh, tell the folks that uh, decide to listen to this thing 
uh, who you are, uh, mm -hmm. what you do, and what we're attempting to accomplish here. You are Ellie Loria. You are at Cask Queen uh, on Instagram, and you are the brand ambassador for Bully Boy Distilling in Boston. Uh, uh, and again, you know, on, on behalf of Kurt and myself, thank you a ton for being a part of this thing. Um, uh, so establishing that now that was was your discovery of, of Scotch whiskey, um, was that a catalyst for your joining the industry, too? Or 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 were those things somewhat unrelated? They were unrelated until they couldn't be separated. I. <laughs> Once I had that passion lit, it uh, very much far surpassed anything that I think I expected or certainly Cam expected when he handed me that glass. Uh, I have really delved into understanding how whiskey's made, how to interpret it. I, I so thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, and he does too, but he doesn't put the same words to it that I do. And so over time, as we've, you know, gone to various tastings and tracked down brands and visited distilleries, I have continued to raise my hand and say, I want to do this. This is super interesting to me, um, brand ambassadorship especially. And so we had done a date at Bully Boy and uh, they posted a listing that week looking for an ambassador and I jumped at that opportunity. And since it's afforded me so many cool opportunities with Bully Boy, but then with other brands, I'm doing some really fun stuff with the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society and continuing to to grasp any opportunity I can in the industry. I am a financial person by day, um, but I joke that it funds the fun. I get to <laughs> I get to do a lot with whiskey as a result of that time. So, mm -hmm. well, and uh, whiskey certainly is a um, it's the kind of pursuit that um, can begin to uh, cost a bit uh, in yes. terms of the amount of, uh, of financial resources soaked into whiskey collecting. It's on the one hand, it can be quite expensive, but if you are you, you're, uh, having a financial background, um, you know, it can be quite a solid investment as long as you don't, you know, drink the collection, uh, which is a real challenge because if you're buying whiskey that you love, then you kind of want to open it and drink it. I think the only reason we have closed bottles right now is we went on a shopping spree and we just haven't gotten to all of them <laughs> yet. Uh, we really, we've opened everything pretty much. Um, good. It it pays to have good friends who can <laughs> help grow the collection. So very appreciative of those. <laughs> yes. Yes, I can imagine. Um, you, you know, Kurt made a, a really uh, interesting point about uh, that the first band My that we were talking about. Uh, thanks, Kurt. I appreciate that. Um, the the idea behind Scarybore it it is an encapsulation of what it is that we set out yeah. to do with this podcast. And you know, when when we th when we sit around thinking about how uh, you know music can tr can trigger memories, and and whiskey certainly can too. Although sometimes they're slightly fuzzier than the music based memories. Yes. Um, the, within that one selection on the, on the playlist, one of those things reminds you of the other and the other reminds you of the, of the, you know, they're, they're so nicely intertwined as to be, uh, you know, a really remarkable, I, I imagine being inside your head, a really remarkable triggering of so many memories and emotions and, and, and the connectivity there, uh, is that's the reason that we 
you know, a that we do this, but secondarily, it's the it's the connective tissue that we seek out. Uh, you know, whenever we do one of these things, that those unspoken connections, uh, emotional connections, sensory connections uh, between something like whiskey and something like music. Uh, that are that are you know materially unexplored or at least you know to my way of thinking underexplored. So you know obviously uh, thanks for sparking the discussion with with that uh, uh, addition uh, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, now when you were when you were in Scotland and this was all happening, do, do you remember some of the distilleries that you or some of the places that you visited that were uh, particularly impactful? Oh, of course. I mean. It, it's hardwired into me now, those experiences. I, I think of those as some of my happiest happiest days so far uh, was being there. I actually pushed my flight back twice to come home, and my mom finally <laughs> called me and said, you have to finish senior year. Get on a plane. <laughs> you have <laughs> oh, to come home awesome. now. <laughs> that's awesome. Nice. Uh, a snowstorm did help me out, so I, I did get to push back a little longer. But yes, uh, so... Absolutely. One of my favorite distilleries I've ever been to is Oban Distillery, mm-hmm. which is right on the coast. Absolutely gorgeous. The whiskey's gorgeous. Tried whiskey straight out the barrel there. Mm, uh, a very cool place. And Cam's cousins went to Oban High School. So there's a lot of oh, familial wow. connection, uh, which Scary Vore has an amazing song. And I wrote down the pronunciation so I could mention it. Um <laughs> That it's Sore Slan and the Rise, okay. which they actually recorded with Open Pipe, High School Pipe Band, which is very cool. Really? A really cool collaboration. Wow. So Open's an incredible place. Uh, absolutely beautiful. And we've taken the ferry from there to visit Tobermory Distillery. Uh, nice. Which also makes Lechik, mm-hmm. which is uh, right out in the islands. Absolutely gorgeous. Beautiful little town. The... Having a fish dish at the Mish Nish Hotel is a big thing to do. <laughs> Say that three times fast. <laughs> and uh, so that was gorgeous. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> and, Wait, that was sort of that was sort of like when I was preparing for this. Uh, Dan and I were I uh, uh, now a song that we got to get on this list stat uh, because I wrote things down and and I probably maybe I shouldn't say everybody's name here, but I was like Ellie Loria, Cam Curry, Billy Boy. <laughs> And Dan and I had this conversation earlier today about alliteration because we were listening to a masterpiece of a song, Donut Taco Palace, which just rolls <laughs> off the tongue beautifully. So say again what you had just said. You had a fish dish. You can have a fish dish at the Mish Nish Hotel. <laughs> and the Mish Nish is a beautiful, bright yellow building in this rainbow of buildings that is at Tobermory. And it's... I mean, it's breathtaking. There's also a fantastic capture and release aquarium. So we're talking one room, a set of tanks, and someone goes out on a boat and captures little critters from the bay and brings them back for like two weeks. And then they release them again. It's, I mean, unbelievable, right? Like this tiny little island has just the most incredible little features going on. It was a very cool day. So they bring them in these tanks and then you fish for them again? Like, like... Boat, sport, and travel show when they have that little tra- uh, trout tank. <laughs> yep, yep, little trout. They did have an octopus. I remember there. You know, whatever they you catch can... is what's on display. If they don't catch anything, there's nothing there. Wait, and then wow. you eat them? Nope, they let them go again, and they well, catch they something new. Back. Oh, I like the catch and release where you eat them. Yeah. 
Well, it's, it's, that you'd like <laughs> defeat the release fish dish. Part, yeah. Go get your fish dish, right? Like <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but those are incredible. And Glenn Goyne, I I can't mm-hmm. say enough about the beauty of Glenn Goyne Distillery. That was an unbelievable it's, day. Why, as well. why was it so beautiful? It is set right on the line between the Highlands and the Lowlands, and mm. they have the just this incredible stream that runs right down right the source of their water is right there you can stand on the highland side and look at their warehouses at the whiskey aging and they just there's kind of this quiet over the whole place and their whole thing is you know never rushed like it's a very slow they take things slow there and uh we had a beautiful we did a chocolate and whiskey tasting there that just mm. was us and a few other people and it was there's just something incredibly intimate and beautiful about it so yeah that place is is amazing and it's mm. it's one of the first uh distilleries on the road out of oh, what is it glasgow uh if you are if you're headed up north uh towards Speyside, you're gonna you're gonna pass Glengoyne, and, mm-hmm. and it is absolutely stunningly beautiful. The that water source that sort of cascades down uh, near the distillery, and they and I, I took the tour there, and it was a really you're right the the pacing of the thing they really do sort of embody this sense of place, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they sort of put you in their mindset when you're there, and uh, you know I, I had a blast. It was just it was a it was real stunning. Now you had mentioned uh, Mull uh, where mm-hmm. Tuberwory is. I have yet to visit Mull. Um, that's one that's uh, one on the on the list for next time. Uh, my wife and I, when we go back, it's gonna be all uh, Hebridean Islands mm-hmm. um, because we've done we've done a decent amount of stuff on uh, in mainland Scotland, but but uh, but Mull is 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 high on the list. Of places that we'll be visiting uh, next time. Of course, uh, Tubermore is terrific stuff. Lenchik is is uh, terrific as well. But uh, now, did you 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 took the ferry over? Mm-hmm. Uh, toured the distillery. I'm guessing yes. while you were there. Mm-hmm. Good, good. And then you had the the fish dish mm-hmm. at the thing with the other the diphthongs in it. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, say, a it, consonant say it right, man. <laughs> I, I, I got nothing. I was so I worried about that Gallic pronunciation of the song. I really should have been much more worried about the fish dish, <laughs> the mishnish. <laughs> I, I imagine once you've had... It's like a Dr. Had, Seuss thing, you know? Exactly. <laughs> once you've had a few drams of Tebermory, it might be a little bit more difficult to get through the the saying, I'm guessing. Well, there's more than a few parents that have had a few drams or whatever else and read Dr. Seuss to put their kids to bed. <laughs> oh, that's a good <laughs> point. It's like, really? Do we need this now? <laughs> <laughs> Ellie, can I uh, can I can I ask you to um, the list of songs? Yeah, I, I really wasn't very familiar. Uh, with, well, that's not true. That's not fair at all. But th- there was a good number of them I wasn't that uh, I wasn't that familiar with. And uh, it, it was it it was poignant to me, and it and it, and it was uh, 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 I needed a good cry. <laughs> There were some real. There were some songs in here that were just so poignant, so beautiful, so tough. Um, and I, I, I wanted to presume the continuity between them, or the, or the sort of arc between them. And I thought, why don't I not get it wrong? And why don't I just ask you to to talk about what you put this, to, how you put this together, or rather, what you put together and why. 
Okay, yes. I realized uh, in retrospect that my themes of youth and death were <laughs> definitely right on. <laughs> and that was that was something I guess I grappled yeah, I wanted with a to lot. Tell, I want to tell Lord. I want to tell Lord in that song, if you're hating getting old now, you're really going to hate it when you actually get old. Oh, yeah. Well, and she, Sorry, pardon me. Go that ahead, was Emily. That was first album. So she's she's gotten much older since then. She makes happier music now. I'm quite thrilled for her. She, uh, yes. So I, I experienced the world quite emotionally. And so I, that's what drew me to your podcast premise to begin with, right? I interact with the world emotionally. I carry a lot of memory in the things that I consume. And music is, of course, top of that list for me. Uh, music is the soundtrack of everything. And so for me, I can return to emotions quite quickly based on a song. These songs were a little on the nose at times. There was a little bit of nepotism, I'll admit. And uh, there was also just a huge amount of expression of self that when, when you talk about forced listening, I certainly relate First of all, it was a huge part of my education growing up, but it's also something that I do constantly to others, especially while they're in my car. <laughs> That's my chosen, it, or especially if they're driving and have no way to reach over and change the song. I, that's my that's my go to environment. You nice. do under you do understand that that term was developed um, in in uh, a very unflattering sense. It was not intended <laughs> as any level of compliment. It was it developed by a person tired of it but you know thoughtful <laughs> enough to, to name it or maybe that's what we do isn't that what we do we learn we name things <laughs> and we disposition them in our lives and maybe that's what was being done at the time but i you know dan had told me that you had liked that actually the craziest thing was dan had told me that uh this woman elliot she's she's been listening to our podcast and in and uh you know i thought that was mo the most interesting thing about that hmm the fact that you were listening to our podcast <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the you're most stunning uh, still part of all kind that. of stunned yep. by that. <laughs> well all um, i have to say for you kurt is own it when someone <laughs> makes up something you know in a teasing right. or potentially uh, unflattering way just just own it <laughs> just take it so on I'm, I'm going to tell you a little story, and it's a little name droppy, but this is our this for Dan and me. This is our big chance to get out of here. We're going to uh, hit it big. <laughs> um, I most recently, uh, uh, I guess I've never sort of turned it into a verb. Whatever. I practiced forced listening uh, with Thundercat in my vehicle, <laughs> and Thundercat I pick up at the airport. Uh, for this music festival we have here in Omaha called Maha. And I get to drive some really incredible bands to and from the airport and such. Anyway, Thundercat's wearing his Thundercat kind of superhero outfit already that he had on stage. I, I don't know if he just wears it full time, but that's an aside. And uh, uh, Dusty Hill of, of, of uh, ZZ Top had just passed away like the day before. And I was feeling nostalgic for that. And so I had ZZ Top playing. And I made a playlist and it was on this big screen on this kind of van. And he looks over and he goes, oh, hell yeah. And he cranks it and uh, proceeds to play um, Air Bass from the airport, which was just <laughs> a blast. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to do this thing because this, this band I've been really fascinated with and I've been listening to. And I, I think, Ellie, you'd probably say, say the same. Dan would say the same. We're not always around people that really love music. And, and when you get around them, you get a little giddy because you want to share something you just found. And this band's called Mudu Maktar. I love this band. And I'm like, hey, man, can I play something for you? But 
Ellie, you just said own it. The reason I'm telling you this story is I didn't own it mm. because I was a little starstruck. And so I turned on Mudu Mokhtar and I turned it kind of at a medium volume. And he leans over in this van and he looks up and he goes, it's music, man. And he cranks it <laughs> all the way. Right? And I felt like I had failed. I'm not forcing him to listen to anything. Uh, anyway. Well, and that's just well, it, thanks. right? Own it. it you know, I, uh, I have had many moments in my life where I have been on the receiving end of some forced listening that I haven't fully appreciated it. And as I've gotten older, I'm realizing, actually, those are pretty precious moments. Is that how the Jackson Brown got on this it list? It is how the Jackson Brown got on this list. So I, I have an uncanny eye for the obvious. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a standout for sure. So I, I was thinking about a couple of your different themes, right, when I chose. So expression of self, I think the Lord and the yeah. Taylor Swift have to have to jump out. And I have no regrets about putting a Taylor Swift on your list. That's great. <laughs> I hope I'm glad you does. did. I'm glad you did. Whoa, 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 whoa. You just were telling me about own it. No, exactly. <laughs> I own it. Okay, but listen, you don't need to caveat that stuff. Great. So, and first of all, I, I, I will tell you that I think she's amazing. Unreal. And I think she's an amazing songwriter. And I know people that kind of look down their nose, and I'm thinking, it's not about her relative success. She's an incredible songwriter. Yep. And that song, thank you for sending it, is unlistenable at this moment in my life. Yep. But it is, it is so, wow, what does she say? Well, I wrote it down. She uh, she says, uh, um, here we are again. Just that line mm. that she says in there. Um, we all know that feeling. Here we are again. Yeah. And there's good and bad in there. I thought that was beautiful. The Lord stuff was um, uh, incredible. But talk to me about the other stuff. T- tell yeah. me about Hank Wonder. Hank Wonder. All right. This is These are my nepotism picks. And also a little on the nose, or flagrantly on the nose. Uh, so my dad plays in this band. This is uh, his his group. He's the guitarist. And uh, I've grown up with uh, Darren Buck, who's Hank, <laughs> um, and Annie, who is their incredible, classically trained turned fiddle player, uh, violinist. And so those have come from forced listening opportunities too because uh that music was created around me i was in the studio for uh Mm. the recording of baby loves bourbon and yes it's super on the nose uh that song talking about that connection but i the thing that has kind of drawn me to that song for this podcast is i think it kind of encompasses so much of this sharing of self but there, there is something innately personal and interpersonal about giving someone something to drink. I think that that is one of the most intimate things that you can do with another human is tell them, listen to this, eat this, drink this. That I don't think mm-hmm. that gets highlighted enough in our lives. We, we go to restaurants and we order food and we ingest it. Like That is a wild concept if you really break it down. It's as personal and intimate as it gets i'm gonna actually consume this thing and either enjoy it or not and i'm gonna trust you that what you're giving me is something that i'm going to enjoy and that song talks about making a cocktail for your partner and her pouring it down the drain because what she really loves is bourbon and then he has that whole conversation between him and the trumpet and you you kind of enjoy that conversation and and he says here 
I know, I know my baby. I know what she likes. She likes bourbon. And that is quintessential, right? That is as personal as it gets here. Drink this thing. I know you like it. You know, when I first heard the bourbon part, uh, uh, what's interesting about that song, and this actually, um, it it actually is my favorite song that you put there because it is a a, a tricky little song. Uh, It starts out, yeah, a little obvious, like you said, a little on the nose, but it is not at all. It becomes a far less obvious song. It becomes a far more complex song, and uh, it becomes very old world when I listened to it. Um, and it reminded me of one of my very favorite bands, although it's done much prettier. And one of my favorite bands is uh, the Felice Brothers. And they, they are very good at creating a scene um, that's a little gritty, got a little contention, uh, a, a little, you know, different intent. Um, this is just prettier than their music <laughs> by a lot. But it, uh, um it's a beautiful scene. It's a beautiful song, and I thank you for putting it on there. Yeah, no, my pleasure. The the one of my favorite behind the scenes of that song is that that was the first song that Darren ever wrote. After wow. years of singing and playing, and he did not have a guitar. He came over and sang that for my dad and said, "Do you think you could put guitar to this?" And my dad, where did you come up with it? Like this is next and that was what launched them they originally were a cover band and now they've recorded two albums and my marjorie is from the second album that they just released this year and that was what launched it all was that was that piece that he came up with out of thin air unbelievable really well and yeah to your point i mean just just having just manifesting a vocal line in your head without any chord structure to, to support it or even conceptualize around it and a key change that's yeah that's that's remarkable yeah pretty unbelievable so that was you know i think that song is in many ways uh, essential to your podcast and this idea (laughs) right like that that is that so that was kind of what guided me there and um man you really read dan's email like you're a good student oh yeah there's uh, no thank you (laughs) i've uh i keep meaning to Someday, uh, this time. Barnstar. Talk to me about Barnstar. Barn- I yeah, love this. I dug it, those guys. It, and you know what was cool about this? That song, not that song, but that song, directionally, has been written 10,000 times. And you know what? It can be written 10,000 times more. Hmm. When my time comes, are you kidding me? Oh, right? yeah. So right. it was originally a Dawes song. Um, oh, and yeah, okay. they recorded it. Barnstar recorded it. Uh, super, super cool. But I, and I, in fairness, I haven't listened to the Dawes version very much. I, the first time I heard the Barnstar version was live. So there's, there is something about that experience that really just elevates something. Um, and it, we were outside and you could have heard a pin drop as they, they paused before the harmonies come in on the chorus. And, um, no, it's an incredible, Barnstar is, uh, another one that's personal to me. They, so, Charlie Rose produced Hank Wonder's first album. Zachariah Hickman, who uh, is direct, music director for Ray LaMontagne. And uh, he's the bassist in this band. Um, and, and also he's the bassist for Josh Ritter. Uh, he produced the second Hank Wonder album. So <laughs> they're, pretty, they're pretty interconnected uh, musically. But that, that is an unbelievable group live. And then they, they do that with that song. It's just unbelievable 
Okay, so my synapses are firing. There's so many things to talk about <laughs> at this moment. Yes. Yeah, once you hit the Josh Ritter thing, I kind of like my meter just went way off. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, the mercury broke the glass that. and yeah. No, it, it totally <laughs> did because what I was going to tell you is uh, when I saw you went to school in Providence, so mm. um, deer tick. So if you know deer tick, deer tick the dude, uh, John McCauley, the guy from Dawes, and, oh my God, this is awful, and another guy have a band called Middle Brother, and they only have like one or two albums, and you would absolutely love it based on this. Cool. Uh, and, and I figured that out a little bit when I looked at that track. Um, the collaboration is, is almost like jazz, you right. know, level uh, with some of those... I don't know what it is about the East Coast thing, because when you first talked about East Coast, I was thinking about one of my very favorite East Coast bands. It's called The Hold Steady. I don't even know if they're together anymore, uh, but they always reference like the seven seconds, and you had mentioned a minute ago something, you mentioned Straight Edge, and it reminded me of Minor Threat, Salad Days, that album. There's so much cool stuff, uh, but Josh Ritter. Josh Ritter. Uh, he's, I've seen him a half a dozen times. Then you've seen Zachariah uh, Hickman too, which is is a pretty crazy connection. Who who's in Barnstar? Uh, that is, oh, that's interesting. It's probably true. And then he does collaboration stuff with the Milk Carton Kids. It's sort of like mm -hmm. Gillian Welch and Dave uh, Rawlings. They're they're practically part of Old Crow Medicine Show. I love the the, yes. the, the stuff, but the, like the whole vein of this. Well, that's a beautiful song. Mm -hmm. um, and it does, That's right? Really it grapples with those those kind of epic life questions, which I think, like I said, I, I interact with the world very emotionally, so there's no way for me not to think about kind of these broad strokes concepts of, of life and, and youth and aging and death, and or we'll say the eternity, right? And so this song so encapsulates all of that, and I think absolutely my... My favorite moments in that song are, are when he, he says, you know, um, you can judge the whole world on the sparkle that you think it lacks. You can stare into the, the abyss, but it's staring right back And this idea. And, and also he talks about how the unraveling is starting too soon. Like it's inevitable for all of us, but it, it's, it's come on too quick for him. That it's, it's, it's becoming a problem. I, bet. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, so when I listened to it, mm. and, and then I thought about that uh, Live Forever song, mm. I, for some reason, Dylan's Every Grain of Sand popped into my head. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, this is, in that writing, in that barn star, is Dylan-esque in that, in that regard. Those, yes. those uh, yeah, really beautiful. Okay, so... So that covers some I, of them. <laughs> well, yeah. The, okay, the, okay, let's... The Elvis track. Oh, okay, Elvis I just didn't track. see the okay. Elvis track. Yep, so the Elvis track. So this one for me is another topic I wanted to discuss with you gentlemen, which is the, the experience of being in a place where a thing was created. I, mm -hmm. I had the pleasure of going to Nashville with my dad, my, my music icon, uh, and experiencing the Studio B at RCA. And they turned down the lights and they played that song. Wow. And that and they told us ahead of time and they the only spot illuminated in the room was the X on the floor where Elvis would have recorded that night at four AM. 
And they said, now listen at the end of the track for that famous click on the track, which was Elvis bumping his head on the microphone at the very end of the song. And we're standing in this dark room, my dad right next to me, and we're listening to them play the track, the whole thing. And then you hear that click. And there is something magical about being where that happened that I think I get the same kind of gravitas from being in a distillery, being mm-hmm. where whiskey is created, right? There, it, it kind of follows the same thing that, you know, where, where a thing that you consume and love is created is part and parcel to that thing and it creates just like ingrained memory um, and sensory feeling and so that track for me is you know part and parcel to that whole experience and this whole idea that makes distillery tours so impactful to me that makes live music so impactful to me and and certainly made that that moment and that trip so memorable we talk a lot about um, closing circuits, like yes. um, <clears throat> communication circuits and stuff. And that level of circuit closure, um, if you, if you, and I'm not saying I'm not encouraging anyone to do this. If you, if you take uh, the experiencing of live music kind of out of the equation, because that's relatively not these days, but it used to be relatively accessible to a broad audience on a on a somewhat regular basis. And people, I think now are emotionally suffering from the lack of it. But uh, not everybody's going to go hang out in, in Studio B at RCA. And, you know, not everybody's going to be able to tour a distillery. Yeah. Um, they experience a, a certain level of, uh, of communication circuit closure. But that's next level stuff. Uh, and it's almost like it's like um, meeting like they never say they say never meet your idol and, and stuff like that and and what ends up happening is you've mythologized this thing to the point that it's almost impossible for you to conceptualize it being uh, mortal uh, or it being something that was actually that there was a period on the planet where it didn't exist it's almost unthinkable that there was life before that Elvis track, like mm-hmm. it just always was and it always will be. And so when you get a chance to do those kinds of things and you immerse yourself in a situation where why well, this is where, you know, this is where um, Glamorgy 1977 was produced in 1977 at this distillery on this spot by human people and you drink it and there's something, there's the ethereal nature of it. There's something that is uh, like not only otherworldly, but a nugget of the divine captured in there that, that, that I think elevates not only the people who made it uh, 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 and the place where it was made, but everyone is elevated by that, by the, by the inexplicable magic that was captured in that moment of creation. Uh, that's that's why you at the end of the day, not everybody's gonna be able to uh, experience that, but that's why you do it you, for the for the for the mind blowing potential of giving people the opportunity to to just conceptualize for a moment. This really happened. People really did this, and it means it means this much to you. It meant a lot to you before you got to sort of stand in the footsteps or whatever. But then once you have, it's almost you and it 
you'd mentioned the thing about you go to a restaurant and the and the unspoken trust associated with taking someone's creative output and allowing it eventually to become part of your DNA, part of your physical makeup. Not only is that an immense trust equation, but it's also uh, uh, almost unfathomably connective uh, in ways that everyone's elevated by that. The creator and the consumer are both elevated by that. That's the kind of stuff that, that's what makes all of this stuff not just worth pursuing, but worth pouring your guts into, whether you're the creator or the consumer of it. If it's just a glass of something interesting, or if it's just a track off an Elvis record, or whatever, you're missing so much potential uh, that's just sitting there waiting to blow your mind in a thousand ways. Just listening to that story about, you know, uh, RCA Studio B, that gives you chills just thinking about it. When you hear the track, like, wow, that's that is unbelievable. You know, it's yeah. it's it's the kind of thing that gets captured in a recording, the kind of thing that gets captured in a bottle of whiskey or whatever it is. It's, I think it's easy to underestimate just how um, statistically unlikely it is to have been able to. Um, uh, create in the material world something that came from the from the ethereal world yep suddenly you get to experience this this essence that never should have become a physical object because it came from way the hell out there in the damn cosmos and here it is in physical form and you get to interact with it whether it's you know a, a difference in sound pressure level or way or or liquid or whatever it is that's the bit that's the bit I think that is is such an immense game changer uh, that doesn't I don't think it's explored or thought about nearly enough um, typically by the consumer but even sometimes by the producer yeah and, and to think that it almost didn't happen especially that there was a moment during recording when Elvis stepped back and said I, I can't do this song this I'm not gonna do sure. it justice like that and yet he created something incredible and in, in the next take actually <laughs> when he bumped oh, his wow. head but that that imperfection makes it that much more accessible and yet otherworldly right because it it mm -hmm. brings it back from you know in in the same way that you know a, a well balanced and, and bottled whiskey is is a creation of a, an immense amount of effort to get it exactly right so those imperfections of life that that make it interesting and that bring it to all of us and so when you get that little moment in music yep. it's it's another another layer of beauty and complexity and perfection join us next time for part two of our conversation with ellie loria on whiskey and the arts podcast <laughs> <laughs>